Let me mention one thing before I forget it here um, again. <laughs> uh, First Baptist Church people, we have ready for you a copy of bylaws that if we've, me and I've been working with a team and we've uh, got it finished. And so we have a copy of the bylaws for you as you exit today. Uh, I'll put some out there and you, you pick one up. There's also attached to it a, a copy of the Baptist Faith and Message. It may have been a while before you've looked at that. And so as a refresher and a reminder, that's our statement of faith. <clears throat> and then we will approve these, vote on these at the regularly scheduled business meeting on April 17th. Okay? Uh, so that'll give you a few weeks to look it over and get familiar with it and and uh, so, so I'll have those available for you at the end of this service, and then at the end of the second service, we'll have them available for folks. Well, it's pretty visible this morning that we are <clears throat> participating together <clears throat> in the Lord's Supper. <clears throat> We're coming to remember our Lord. We come to remember the fact that He died on the cross for us, to pay our sin debt. We remember that He walks with us in a very present way, and, and then uh, we're told to observe it, the Lord's Supper, until He comes. Future, He's coming back. And so the, the elements that we will partake of in just in a few minutes uh, are symbols. Of course, the, the wafer, the, the symbol of the broken body of the Lord Jesus Christ, and the cup, symbolic of his shed blood. Because the scripture says without the shedding of blood there is no remission, there is no forgiveness of sins. So if you have your Bible today, I'm going to read first of all, I'm going to use several verses this morning, but first of all from 1 Corinthians chapter 11. 1 Corinthians <clears throat> chapter 11. I'm going to begin in verse 23, 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 23. The Apostle Paul writing says this, For I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. On the night when he was betrayed, the Lord Jesus took bread, gave thanks, broke it, and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he also took the cup after supper and said, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. <clears throat> Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Therefore, whoever eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy way will be guilty of sin against the body and the blood of the Lord. So a man should examine himself, a woman should examine herself. In this way, he should eat the bread and drink of the cup. Now, we're told, Paul said in verse 28, we are to examine ourselves. Now, let me say this. Nobody is really worthy, worthy partake of the Lord's Supper except through what the Lord Jesus has done. We're not perfect. I had a gentleman tell me not too many months back, he said, I did not partake of the Lord's Supper. I said, 
uh, why do you, do you know the Lord? He said, I know the Lord, but I just don't feel worthy. Well, see, if we wait until we feel worthy, none of us would ever partake of the Lord's Supper. In and of ourselves, we, we have no worth. It's the Lord Jesus Christ and what He's done. But Paul does say we are to examine ourselves. And, and so it's a self-exam. We can't examine anybody else. See, I, I just have to be concerned about me, and I have enough to be concerned about with me. And I can't worry about anybody else. And so it's, it's a self-exam that Paul talks about here. And so as we kind of do a self-exam this morning before we t- partake of the Lord's Supper, uh, I, I want to just pitch out some things to you, if I might. In fact, three major questions I want us to consider. First of all, here's the first question. Am I saved? Am I saved first and foremost? Now, notice I didn't say, are you a church member? Have you been baptized? Do you come to church faithfully? Do I have a personal relationship with God through the Lord Jesus Christ? I heard Billy Graham say this, I don't know, several years ago. And, and here's what he said. He said, the largest church field we have could be in our churches on Sunday morning. I, I, when I first heard that, I, I kind of did a back take, and I thought, wow, that's pretty, those are pretty strong words. And what he's saying is this, and I've heard him say this since then, many people have joined the church, but they never joined Jesus. See, there's a difference. And, and so... Uh, here's the question if you died today do you know for sure that you go to heaven see we can know for sure because the Bible says 1 John 5 13 these things have I written unto you who believe on the name of the Son of God that you may know that you have eternal life so we can definitely know for sure that we have eternal life so the first question would be have I come to that place in my Life where I know for sure that should I die today, I'd go to heaven. Then here's the second question. Here's a follow-up question. Suppose I did die today. You know, suppose you were to die today. God forbid that to happen, but we don't know. But suppose you were to die today and stand before God, and God asked you the question, why should I let you into my heaven? What would you say to him? What would you say to him? See, the Scripture says, Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8 and 9, For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. And so any answer other than a faith answer is not the correct answer. It's placing our faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and His finished work on the cross. That that's what gets us into heaven. It's not by being a good person. It's not by attending church. It's not by giving. It's not by being a church member. None of those things. All those things are good. We ought to do those things. Those are good things. But the faith answer, faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And so we, we just, first of all, need to make sure that we know Christ is Savior. Here's the second question. 
not only am I saved, but am I spirit-filled? Am I spirit-filled? Ephesians 5.18 says, Be not drunk with wine, but be filled with the Spirit. That word simply means to be under the control of the Holy Spirit. Just like a, just like a drunk person is under the influence of the alcohol, we, we are called, God's people, God's children are called to be under the influence, the control of the Holy Spirit. And so what it means is this. It means that I know Christ as Savior, and I want Him to be my Savior. And some people try to stop it there, but He's also Lord. Uh, Brother Calvert said, I met the Master. Then that's what Lord means, Master. The boss in control. Is He in control of my life? And so if I'm spirit-filled, it means I, am, I have surrendered and still continue to surrender. Even when I find those areas where I have not surrendered, I surrender them to the control of the Lord Jesus Christ and what He wants to do uh, with His will and His way in my life. And so it means if I'm spirit-filled, I'm trying to turn over all those areas of my life to Him. Say, Lord, you're in control. And, you know, when I I try to be in control, I sometimes make a mess of things. And so I surrender to him. So it's important that I'm saved. It's important that I'm spirit-filled. And here's the third question. And, and, And here's a word we don't use a lot. Am I sanctified? Now, I don't know what comes to your mind when you hear that word sanctified. But let me tell you all it means. And and, and by the way, it's a process. It's a process. It means we're in the process of becoming. In 1 Peter, 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 15. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 15. He, he says, but as the one who called you is holy, you also are to be holy in all your conduct, for it is written, be holy. God says, be holy because I am holy. And, and so the word saint, sanctify, holy, all come from the same Greek word, and the word is hagias. And it simply means to be set apart, to be different than. So we are called to be set apart from sin, set apart unto our Lord. And, and so, you see, it, it's our sins that keep us sometimes from, uh, from being all that we need to be because our sin breaks our fellowship with holy God. And so we don't lose our salvation, but we lose our fellowship sometimes. Uh, or, or we can if we're not careful. And so sanctification is a process of becoming more like the Lord Jesus Christ. David in the Scripture said, If I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. He said, create within me a clean heart, O God. 
so that my fellowship is unhindered. And so we, we ought to be in the process until the day we leave this world, we ought to be in the process of becoming more like our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Because we want to put away anything, any sins that might hinder us, that might hinder our fellowship. Now, when you talk about sins, that's a broad open category. And, um, you know, and, and, and I don't know specifically what you deal with. You know that. God knows that. We all have our things that we deal with. But I want to share with you this morning four areas that, that I think it would behoove us to consider when we think about doing that self-exam. You know, that can take a lot of, a, a lot of uh, areas, a lot of approaches, I should say. But here's some things that we need to think about as we do that self-exam. First of all, there's a sin of attitude. Sin of attitude. In Philippians chapter 2. In Philippians chapter 2 in verse 3. Paul writing under inspiration of the Holy Spirit said this in Philippians 2, 3. Do nothing out of rivalry or conceit, but in humility consider others as more important than yourselves. Everyone should look out not only for his own interests, but also for the interests of others. Make your own attitude. See, he talks about attitude. Make your own attitude that of Christ Jesus, who existing in the form of God did not consider equality with God as something to be used for his own advantage, Instead, he emptied himself by assuming the form of a slave, a bondservant, if you will, taking on the likeness of men. And when he had come as a man in his external form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even to the death of the cross. So, what he's saying is, let this mind be in you, which was in Christ Jesus. See, this, so what's our attitude I need to make sure that I don't walk in selfishness, in conceit. And, um, and I, need to, I need to check and examine my attitude. Number two, there's, there's this sin of speech that sometimes we have to deal with. And uh, Ephesians 4.29 says this, Ephesians 4, 29. The Holman Christian says, No rotten talk should come from your mouth, but only what is good for the building up of someone in need in order to give grace to those who hear. So in other words, what he says is, we need to guard our tongue sometimes. We need to watch our speech. We need to watch our tongue. And so the question is, am I using my speech to edify or build up others? Or do I use it to tear others down? And so I need to make certain of the words that come out of my mouth. Number three. I, I think an area that we ought to be continually examining ourselves 
is in the area of relationships. And so the sin of relationships can get us in trouble too. In Matthew chapter 5, in Matthew chapter 5, in verse 23, in Matthew chapter 5, verse 23, these are the words of Jesus. Listen to what Jesus says. So if you are offering your gift on the altar, and there you remember that your brother has something against you, leave your gift there in front of the altar first, go and be reconciled with your brother, and then come and offer your gift. So Jesus says our relationship with other people is so important that it will hinder our worship. So he says even if we are bringing our gifts to offer to God, and we remember that we have something against another person, or if another person has something against us, we're told to get that right and then come back and worship. And so the question is, do I have a problem with a brother or sister in Christ? And then number four, there's, I call it that sin of self-reliance. The sin of self-reliance. In 2 Corinthians... Chapter 12, 2 Corinthians chapter 12, and verse 9. In 2 Corinthians chapter 12, and verse 9. Paul is talking about a thorn in his flesh, and look what he said, beginning verse 9. But he said to me, because he prayed and asked God to remove the thorn in flesh, but he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. For power is perfected in weakness. Therefore, I will most gladly boast all the more about my weakness so that Christ's power may reside in me. So because of Christ, I am pleased in weaknesses, in insults, in catastrophes, persecutions, and in pressures. For when I am weak, then I am strong. What's he saying? As we come to the table... We come in Christ alone and through nothing that we bring. We rely upon the Lord Jesus for our salvation. And we also rely upon him for our faith walk as we walk this earth in relationship with him. So what do I do if I got something that comes to mind? I confess it. That's what the self-exam is for. We're going to do that for a moment right now before we partake. Would you bow with me, please? In the quietness of this moment, would you talk to the Lord Jesus? Would you tell him what's on your mind? Could be something there in your life that you need to leave with Him and give to Him. So would you talk to Him?